Sophie, unlike any podcast that right. you do, but cool. so uh, in all seriousness, we're here with uh, program director here at Project Purple. Well, we're not at Project Purple; we're at CrossFit Milford, but in camp. Program director. Nice. Program director of our fitness uh, division, yeah. CrossFit Vin Camp, and then we've got the founder and owner of CrossFit Milford. Is it now? This is the question: Is it mm. Jason or Jay, and is it Leiden or Layden? It's either one, Jason or Jay. Okay. Leiden. Which do you prefer, though? Neither. Doesn't matter. I guess uh, if I want to be professional, it's Jason. Okay. When people know me, it's Jay. Okay. And then Leiden. Leiden. Yeah. Okay. So if I go, hey, Jay, then we're good. We're good. All right. We're good. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Jay, talk to us a little bit about your background. For the people at home, you know, so our audience is pretty vast. Okay. We've got a lot of runners, uh, some CrossFitters, and, and just people that are, are touched by our disease, which is pancreatic cancer. But for the folks at home that don't know anything about who you are, give us a, give us a background uh, on who you are. Hmm. So, went to college for basketball and basketball in Where'd you go? Springfield for a year and a half, then Eastern Connecticut State University. From there, I majored in phys ed and health, and I always had a passion for exercise science and training. So, at the end of my college career, I had the decision. I had a really good GPA, and my professor was from Ohio State. So, at that point, there really was no kind of boutique gym ownership you know it was all uh, college trained coach or be a personal trainer facility it's very difficult to kind of get into that field of owning your own facility if it wasn't like huge so i had two goals my first goal was to try to get play basketball overseas and then my second goal was to be a tra uh, trainer but i know i didn't want to be a trainer i like a fitness edge that wasn't going to happen so he got me some connections at Ohio State, and I just made the decision at that point to try to go overseas. So at that point, I did a, my first uh, scouting recruit out in Utah, Salt Lake City, in a bunch of in front of a bunch of European agents, and that was and this was for basketball. Mm -hmm, this basketball, and I got like my my teeth completely kicked in in that situation. It was like I wasn't used to the air, you know. So I got there and I couldn't even breathe, and then the guys were like just bigger and stronger than me and I got completely like destroyed. Um, but it's good. So I I think from there I, I was really good when I was younger of having um, the mindset of opportunity and understanding how to address kind of failures and not really seem as failures but learning opportunities. So I didn't get discouraged. I was like, all right, well, I got to be better prepared, you know. And from that point I decided I was going to stick with it to try to see how far I can get. And then I went out to Boston to another agency camp a couple months later. So I got more time to practice and got more time to work on a few areas where I feel like I was lacking. Went out to Boston, um, had a pretty good showing, and got picked up by an agent out of Boston, which went really well. From there, she developed a USA team, and we went overseas to Europe to Holland to play to get picked up by some teams over there. So I was there. I was on the right track. So I was over there, do my thing. I got... Um, kind of picked up by an area in Norway. So overseas, if you're an American and you can get kind of like a European card, then you're like a shoe in. Super easy. But most of the time for overseas basketball, 
they're only allowed two Americans on the team. So it's really a, like cutthroat, as you, you're aware. Yeah. Um, so I got picked up by a, a spot out of Norway, which is really good. So I came home, and I kind of got another three months of training under my belt. And then at that point, it was um, I was mowing my parents' lawn. So I was mowing my parents' lawn. <laughs> it was Friday. I was supposed to leave on Monday to meet the agent up in Boston and then kind of get connected. And I tripped and put the lawnmower over my foot. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, you didn't hear the story? No. Okay. So it was the last. I did mold the whole lawn. It was the last strip, and I I stepped back, and we had a central air unit outside. So I stepped on the central air unit, and I thought it was like directly underneath me. So like, all right, like I was falling. I was like, I'm gonna sit on the central air unit and then continue, right? Yeah. But it wasn't. So I guess I took a big step back and I hit it, and my feet came out from underneath me. And as my foot came out from underneath me, I fell back, and the lawnmower came up in like one swoop, and from there just like. Pop up, and I heard this loud chop, oh. and I was like, "Oh man, like did that really just happen?" So at, at that point, it's shock. So I wouldn't look down because I knew like it's Friday, Monday I'm supposed to be leaving for Europe. So I'm like, "All right, like that, that didn't just happen." And then I, I looked down, and um, I, had my, I had black Nike Air Maxes on, and they were cut open, and my toes are hanging out. Oh. And I was like, "Oh, that just happened, right?" Obviously, I wasn't that calm, but. So I take, and I'm like screaming now, but it's like one o'clock, so family's at work, like all the neighbors at work. So I was like, man, I gotta do something. So I take my shirt off, put it on my foot, tie it, I hop into the house, I call 911, and I lay on the ground. And now, like the shock's over. So now the pain is setting in, right? And it's like, oh my, my God. God. So not only is it pain, but it's also the realization that basketball's done. You know, I was like, all right, like I'm not. You know, at the low level in, in Europe, the pay is so low. It's like, I'm not going to bust my, my tail to come back from this for, like, yeah. a pipe dream. So, the guy, so it was the, the, the mental pain and the physical pain and then the psychological pain of knowing, like, everything I worked for was kind of, like, over. So, that got really hard. So, I called up a couple friends, and I'm laying there, and the ambulance finally comes. We get in there, and they can only give you so much morphine in the ambulance. It can't give you a lot. So, I'm getting kind of pulled over to Yale and it's like hitting the bumps and it's like every bump it's just like boom boom it's like repeatedly so a knife getting shoved in my foot right I'm like oh my god so we finally get there and they shoot me up with drugs right away and of course it's like Friday in New Haven in the summertime so it, the hospital's just packed yeah, right yeah. packed like so they had me in a, and it's the triage protector I'm not gonna die yeah. so I don't get the room yeah, yeah. so they had me laying outside in um, the hallway or something, yeah in a right? hallway yeah. and f finally the doctor comes over after I'm so drugged up and my mom's there and they take the bandage off my foot and so I'm looking at my foot this way I'm like oh it's not that bad maybe this could happen and I look up and I see my mom's face and it was like white because on the other side there was nothing like the bone was showing with my in my two toes, the two bones. So I was like, "Oh man, that's not good." So they pull me in and like they, you know they do the, the the pin tap to see if you can feel anything. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I feel it." <laughs> he's and he's like, "He's like, I didn't even touch you yet, dude." I'm like, "Oh <laughs> man." I'm like, "Okay." So, anyways, so I was in the hospital for three weeks. Three weeks I was in the hospital, and then after that, I was bed I was bed rest for two months. Because at first they thought they're gonna have to amputate my toes because of all the dirt from the blade and the grass. Yeah. So every morning for three weeks I'd wake up and I couldn't take drugs at that point. And I'd have to go upstairs, I remember this, and they'd put my foot into a bleach bucket. And then I'd take my foot out and they'd go in my toe with tweezers and pull out like dirt and grass. It was just like, oh, and that was every day. Um, 
so that, yeah, so that was that. And then after that, I was kind of like lost, you know? Because yeah. I was a guy, well, everything I did in my whole entire life was with basketball. Like, which, no regrets. I mean, if you want to try to reach the highest level and everything, you have to be extremely selfish and sacrifice everything. And that's what I did. Um, so from there, I was searching. You know, I did MMA for like three years. I was racing Yamaha R1s all over Connecticut. Yeah, I was... A little tall to race R1s. Oh, though. dude, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was a complete mess. And I think like the turning point was when one time it was Sunday morning and I was with this group and we were on the connector going from Route 8 to um, 91, 91. 84 maybe? Yeah, 84. and it, it was just a straightaway. It's by Bridgeport, so it was like four lanes. Oh, and, 95. Yeah, and there's yeah. nobody there. So we were just gone. And I looked down, and I was going like 130 miles an hour, right, on, on, my, on my bike. And all of a sudden, I hit it, and I look at it, and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it's like if I hit, like, so thankfully at that point, I met my now wife, and we kind of settled in. And then I was in the, and then I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do, because it's still like, I right, well, at that point, I was like 26 or 24, 25. I was like, I really don't want to go, because in my mind, it's like, all right, like, it was Ohio State. So I was like, I really don't want to go to Ohio State. Like, I have a girlfriend who I'm very serious about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just kind of, like, moved in together. I was like, I was like, I'm not going to go work for Fitness Edge. I was like, so what am I going to do? So I went into the financial industry. And uh, I was in there for, like, two years. And I did well. But I wanted, to, I wanted to poke my eyes out every single time I was in work. And I was like, this is just, like, killing me. Um, and then that... 2008, beginning of 2008, there was a training facility in Milford. It's called Underground Fitness. They were selling. And there are two guys that I knew, a guy in a way if I knew. I used to train with them when I was going through high school. And I was like, man, I was like, why don't I just – because everything I always did was training. You know, I even – I would always read books. And all my friends were like, why don't you just be a trainer? I was like, I just don't want to be a personal trainer. You know, and at that point, um, thankfully my wife is someone who always supports me. I was like, okay, well, why don't we just buy it? Because they were going out of business. They, they were selling, and they were kind of weird, shady people. And I was like... There's a lot of weird, shady yeah, people in this world. Yeah. In all walks of life. And my wife was like, well, you know, we weren't married yet. We didn't have kids. We were renting. So she's like, all right, well, let's just do it. Like, there's nothing to lose. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But at least we can give it a go. I was like, well, all right, well, here we go. So I scrounged up some money from my family took out a couple loans, bought the facility, and I was running that. And that was just um, like a high-intensity training, which is all I did for basketball and all that stuff. And then in November of 2008, myself, Ben Kelly, um, and a few other people, Dan and Amanda Zapaka, um, Andrea, and a few other people who used to go here, we went down to a crossroad level in Seminar, Virginia. So we drove down there. Because I was looking at the crossroad website, and I was like, all right, as most people do, you look at it, and you kind of see a work. I'm like, all right, like, shoulder press, 111, push press, 222. Like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> whatever, you know? And I tapped in a couple of the workouts. Like, oh, man, this is pretty tough, actually. So we went down there, and it was cool. So when I went down to the level one seminar, Greg Glassman was still running it. So Greg Glassman was there talking about CrossFit. So hearing hearing the ideology and methodology from the, the creator was awesome. And he's such a good speaker. So at that point, I was kind of hooked. So I came back, and I took the facility, changed it over to CrossFit Milford, and we just started going, I just started going down that route, you know, full steam, um, and then growing the business from there. And then from there, I latched on, and 
I was a subject matter. I worked with Brian McKenzie for CrossFit Endurance. So I was working with the CrossFit Endurance seminar staff and coaching those for a couple of years. Then I started working with CrossFit Level 1. Uh, from there, I started developing my own programming ideas from CrossFit and working with James Fitzgerald and just all my college studies. And then from there, we kind of segued out to doing our own seminars and having our own kind of training philosophy and training style and CrossFit Level 4. I guess that's kind of the the story of how we got to how I got Indians. to where I am now. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty fascinating. I never heard the story of getting injured, man. But it's uh, it's pretty fascinating, you know. I mean, for those who know the Project Purple story, you know, um, in times of adversity, as I say, you know, people's true, you know, the, the, their true colors, and that you know, when you're pushed up against the wall, like you know, you do some amazing things, and sometimes you need some of those things to have happened in order to make those decisions or yeah. to do those things right in life. I mean, that's, that could be said for a lot of things, not just CrossFit or charity or anything that you do. Right. Right. Like in decision-making. Um, so it's really fascinating, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. Thanks. I didn't know that. Thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I got a question for yeah. you, you know, and, and as an athlete and you no, know, so you've been extremely successful in the CrossFit community here in Connecticut okay. and nationally and globally as well with bringing athletes to the games. In your opinion, for you, the journey, as, as we call it, I guess, which do you prefer? And I know you've competed when you launched CrossFit Milford, mm -hmm. uh, when you got heavily involved in CrossFit in the early days, you were competing on the comp team as well, right? I've seen videos of you competing up in Boston, like in the early yeah. like, like the early games, like yeah, 2008, so that, 2009. When I, when I first started, I wanted to be a competitor. So qualified for regionals like five years, um, went on in for the team all the years. Uh, it was cool because when the last year was at the ranch, we went to the ranch and did the CrossFit games okay, there. So. Yeah, so that was cool. So for you as a as a as a you know, competitor and, and as an athlete, Jake, which end do you prefer? The training aspect, the journey to get there, or the actual games themselves that mm -hmm. weekend or regionals? I love it all. And I think I love it all because I know I'm kinda like taking a short I'm taking That's an easy, easy road out, man. Yeah. You gotta pick one or two. <laughs> Well, what, what, you gotta well, pick one of it's them. hard because I pride myself when I was training for basketball and when I was training for CrossFit, I've, I'm a worker. So I pride myself on the work you put in. And I love training. Like I love the sacrifices. I love feeling like I'm doing something that the average person doesn't do. And I love doing the stuff that I feel like the, like the other competitors don't want to sacrifice to do. Um, and that's something that I always pride myself on and always dedicate myself to, you know? Not partying, not drinking, eating right, going to bed early, getting up early, waking waking up before people go to bed, and that's kind of the the philosophy that I've taken over with, with my work and being a coach and, and a business owner. So I love that stuff, and I equally love being out on the floor and competing, and I love feeling the butterflies, and I love standing there, whether it was basketball or CrossFit, and standing on the floor and kind of like not knowing what's going to happen, but just kind of trusting yourself and seeing the hard work pay off and feeling like you're that gladiator in the arena. And it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, show up or shut up type thing. And, and I love competing and beating people. And that's something that I loved to do. Like I love to look at somebody who might be bigger, taller than me in basketball or a little quicker than me or someone across it who looks a little bit at me and I love just being able to outwork them and kind of like, and then from there rubbing it in their face. Right. <laughs> so I, and I love that stuff and being like, all right, these, no one's outworked me and kind of like having that mindset. 
if I had to pick one, um, it'd probably be like the daily work. The grind. The grind. And yeah, I don't even call it a grind because I, I feel like grind looking at like something you have to do. I just like calling like the, the daily flow, just a daily, my day, you know? Because I don't really look at it like something, oh man, I got to do this. Like I'm just kind of pushing through. It's like, no, like I want to do this. I want to outwork everybody else. Um, so yeah, we'll call it that, the daily daily day do you ever think so when that training because i i i'm really fascinated by this and like i've always said for for us here uh, and for things like the training aspect is something that really drives me mm-hmm. right and like i i like with the marathoning like i never ran marathons and then i ran marathons and then i think i told you a story like i ran three in 22 days yeah and the only or 21 Crazy. days the only reason why i did that is i wanted to see how hard i could push my body well that's like the quote you know? from uh i'm gonna completely butcher this quote so i apologize but it's a quote from uh nietzsche where he says um you know if 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 the purpose is of a big enough belief then it doesn't matter how you do it you know along yeah. those lines like you get it done yeah you do it yeah the body which, which goes to say for like what you did like three marathons in 20 days like like for me, I would never do that. I'd like, I'm good, right? But you had your purpose and your passion and your mission, and you did it, right? And it was like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And that's what's fascinating with the human body and the mind. Well, on the flip side, Jay, I don't think I'd ever compete at the CrossFit Games, but you did it, and you did it multiple years. So God bless you. And, 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 and uh, you know, you, your body. I think you can teach yourself. You know, the the mind is an amazing, mm. amazing. You know, the brain is an amazing organ, right? And the mind, you know, can convince you to do some amazing things. Yeah. And you've seen it on the CrossFit side and in endurance and the other uh, athletes that you coach. And I've seen it on um, the marathon side where, you know, I've been in the Marine Corps marathon and there's a guy with one leg, right. you know, and he's got three other prosthetics and he's finishing the marathon. And, you know, that's amazing. That's like, know? there's a story and... um. <clears throat> There's this one Navy SEAL who has done a ton of ultra marathons. Oh, the guy with no arms, no legs, Mm-mm. right? No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, he's got full capacity, but he did it in response to his brothers and sisters who lost lives fighting the war. But he came back and he's like, all right, well, I want to put myself through the hardest possible test I can possibly do in their mem- in their remembrance of them losing their lives. And he, so he, wanted, he was going to do Badwater. Badwater is a 100-mile yeah, race yeah, through the desert. Yeah. And that he couldn't get in because to do that, you had to... You have to qualify. You have to qualify. Yeah, there's a whole qualifying standard. So he went out and ran around a track for 100 miles <laughs> and got a qualifying time and then did Badwater. And, it, 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 like, and it's like the power of the mind. He's like, this is of this importance to me that I'm going to run around this track for, for 100 miles... Which is 4,000 And get a qualifying time. And I'm going to get a qualifying time. And then I'm going to go do bad water. And ever since then, like, he constantly does bad water. And he's constantly doing 100-mile runs. And it's, like, crushing him. Uh, But, yeah, it's the power of the mind. It's absolutely insane. Like, you know, you hear stories all the time from grandmothers who lift up cars to people who survived the Holocaust. You know, it's, like, people who didn't. And it's, like, what? And I got that because I just read an amazing book called uh, Victor Frankl's uh, Search for Meaning. And it's, like, have you read that? Uh, it's on my list. Yeah, it's a great book. It's fast read, but it's, you know, he's about the Holocaust and you go through and the people who didn't, you know, and it's like you, he's like, there are people you think you would, there's people who you think you wouldn't, and it's flip-flops as who does and who doesn't. It's just their way to continually find some sort of purpose and some sort of meaning in the mind to allow to continue to push and move forward. 
So, so on that note, though, so we're talking about you know, athletic mindset and being able mm. to do these amazing things. And maybe for the listeners out there, you're a coach, you've, you know, your team finished number two in the world at the CrossFit Games a couple years back, number seven this past year. Six. We six. tied. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. There's a tie break. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Six. Uh, and I think you guys, uh, for the most part, for being uh, involved in the CrossFit Milford community with Project Purple, it's been an amazing journey for an outsider who's not really a, a diehard CrossFitter to see because I think you guys have normal people on your teams for the most part. Not every athlete mm-hmm. last year uh, was CrossFitting all day, where some of these teams have athletes that that's all they do all day is work out. You had some people that had full time jobs. Yeah. You know, they're working nine to five and CrossFitting either in the morning or afternoon. So to compete at that, upper echelon to me is really fascinating and amazing so kudos to you guys thank you uh, but so talking about that from an athletic perspective so what do you look for in athletes when you when you, we talk about mindset like what are some of the things that you look at, at athletes to potentially compete that have that mindset are there certain cues or certain things that uh that pop like hey that that guy's gonna be a good team competitor or that guy i can train to make it to regionals and then get to games as an individual or her yeah i think i think with everything this still comes down to aspect of genetics and dna and kind of like you know you have the golden rule of malcolm gladwell's like ten thousand hour rule where you need to do ten thousand hours to become an expert and that's pretty much like just 10 years of work but then if you break that down even more there's such a wide range you know it's like the tale of two high jumpers where there was uh, a couple years back, there was this, I think, Swedish high jumper, his last name, Holm, H-O-L-M. And he was picked to be the favorite to win the world title. And he dedicated like 20 years of his life to becoming the best high jumper he could. And then there's this other guy from Jamaica who lived in America, last name, I think, Thomas. And he hated training the high jump. And he would go out and like barely train. And he set like the world record. And he ended up beating Holm at like the world games. You know, and it's like, what it comes down to, what does it come down to? And I think it comes down to a couple of things. One is obviously your genetics and your DNA. Like if you're not built a certain way, like it doesn't matter how hard you work, you can get good, but can you be the best? It's, no, the elite have the genetics and the, and the makeup for this sport. So that's one. But I think number two, from a mindset, I've seen so many athletes who are exceptionally good and just exceptionally, exceptionally weak mentally and can't get to the next level versus athletes who are not as good but really strong mentally and then can do better than them and pass them in the long run. And I think the mindset is one of the hardest things to figure out. You know, it, you really have to be in tune with your athletes and you have to put them through really tough situations and you have to see how they can come out or what kind of things they do. They complain, do they cry, do they throw fits, do they get upset, do they follow directions. Like, there's all telltale signs, but you have to be willing to see them and look at them and too often you get caught up in making excuses for your athletes. And when it's continuous and done over and over again, then you can understand that there's some sort of issue from a mental side of competing that's going to affect them in the long run. And from a team perspective, it comes more into play because then you're dealing with previously six, but now four in the sport of CrossFit, different personalities, different mindsets. And it, and when things are going good, everyone's great. But it's how well can they compete and train and be together when things aren't going good and when there's differences and when people disagree and when they're not doing good and when the team's not doing good. It's like, what happens then? And when you can kind of look into that and put them in those situations, you can get a better idea of what their true character is going to be like. And I think from there, there's always ways to kind of coach and talk to them about it. But it's like if you can't really change someone's character, then you're not going to be able to change their mindset. And at that point, you got to be able to wash your hands and move on. Because the most contagious thing in the world 
is not a positive action. The most contagious thing in the world is a negative thought. So if you allow that to kind of creep into an organization or a team, then you're not going to make it. So it really comes down to character. And I action. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you can't be six foot six and weigh 180 pounds and do CrossFit yeah. at the competitive level. You right. can do it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's always outliers, right? But let's yeah. face it, you got to be 5'8", you got to be about 195, you have broad shoulders, you got to have longer Long torso, arms, yeah, right. shorter legs. Like, there you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So for you athletes out there that fit that criteria, uh, contact Jen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he'd love to have you come Yeah, let's go from here. there. Yeah. And if you have to have a really good attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in all seriousness, though, I, I have seen, I mean, um, you know, interesting, we were just down at Wadapalooza, and the, I, I think the, the first thing I said when we started to see all these games athletes that were there was like, wow, that guy's really a lot shorter. And I think when I texted you, yeah. you said, hey, how's it going? I said, good, but they're all a lot shorter than I anticipated yeah. in person than they are, you know, watching on TV or social media or right. whatever, you know. Yeah. So it's really that body style. Every really... sport has a specific body yeah. style. I mean, obviously there's outliers, right? Like right. Usain Bolt's an outlier for sprinter, but there's always outliers. Um, Spencer Hendel. Spencer Hendel is an outlier. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pretty but tall. once you can, but there's also averages. Yeah. Yeah. True, true. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about systems. Cause mm. I know you've been uh, in following you on social media. I know you've, you know, I remember a couple months back you were doing a lot of stuff with breathing mm. um, and some other systems. So talk to us a little bit about your coaching philosophy, if you can, about muscle systems, because we just had a podcast with someone, you know, very familiar, Dr. Keith, mm -hmm. who I know has worked with you guys. And we, we got into a little bit about, you know, recovery with Keith and how important that is. Um, and, you know, about fast twitch and slow twitch muscles and how that plays out to, to certain people's, um, you know, aerobic capacity. And also uh, we see that on the running side. Some people aren't great marathoners not that we're looking for people to win marathons but they have to kind of train their muscles because they've never gone past a 5k um and some of the training that i've done from the endurance and from the i've done some u.s track and field training talking about you know high jumpers and shot putters and uh, the difference between you know like a usain bolt who has those fast twitch fibers you know that can run really fast in a short period of time compared to maybe a uh, meb kofleski who's you know who won the the boston and new york marathon and you know uh has a better uh firing system for the longer endurance runs and those uh those muscles so talk to us a little bit about that, Jay. Whew. That's a How lot. much time do we have? That's a load of, that's wow. A, you do a synopsis. So well, well, let me rephrase so, I, so I'll take it like this. Um, I think there's. I think you first start off with anything of there being five pillars. Um, and I think the five pillars are genetics, breathing, nutrition, sleep, and movement. And when I say five pillars, I mean if you take anything, any one of those away, you're probably going to die except for genetics but genetics have an indication of where you can be if you don't know how to breathe well and you don't breathe right then that's going to affect your ability to recover it's going to affect your uh, athletic performance and it's going to affect your your ability to adapt if you don't eat we all know what happens if you don't eat well if you don't sleep well we all know what happens if you don't sleep well or sleep right and if you don't have proper movement and joint movement right then that's going to have an extremely negative effect on your body I think from there with athletes, you look at right, from a balanced standpoint how they structured, and from there you have kind of like four quadrants. Quadrant one, which you touched on, is muscle fibers: type one, type two A, type two B. 
Um, and that has an indication of the athlete's muscular efficiency. So a high neuromuscular efficient athlete is going to fire more type 2B fibers naturally and be more explosive. A low neuromuscular efficient athlete is going to be more kind of like type 1 for the most part, type 2A, you can say, in the sport of CrossFit. That just indicates from a training perspective how you can train them based off the sport's demands. So if you take someone who's type 2B or, or more predominant type 2A, that doesn't necessarily mean they can't be good at like endurance. It just gives you an indication, okay, well, when I'm training this athlete, I know that their resiliency, their ability to adapt is specific based off a certain intensity or heart rate. So I can adjust that correctly in the beginning phase to kind of switch and play with your genetic code to make them more lower muscular efficient so they can become better for the long duration and or vice versa if they need to be more explosive. Now, how are you determining that? Testing. VO2 maxing? Well, yeah, VO2 maxing will give an indication of the next quadrant, but more kind of like testing with a barbell or what they're good at to, to have an indication of how explosive and aggressive they are mm -hmm. or how sustained they are or how high intensity they can sustain. From there, the next quadrant is like energy systems. So with inside the energy system system, you know you have your aerobic, which is basically sustainability. You have your anaerobic threshold. You have your anaerobic uh, <clears throat> alactic work. So without oxygen, without lactate, without oxygen, with lactate, and then you have aerobic. So you need to get a good indication of how the athlete functions in the different energy systems. And then from there, from a training perspective, based off the demands of the sport, gives you an indication of how you can train it more efficiently from an energy system perspective and like layering the systems. From there, you go to movement itself. So make sure the athletes are working different planes of movement. So frontal, sagittal, transverse, just so there's no imbalances from that standpoint. And then the other one is kind of like movement, not movement from a joint articular articulation standpoint of what we talked about previously, but more like uh, hip hinge, knee flexion, um, arm flexion, arm extension, kind of like proper movement patterns of the body mm -hmm. and make sure they're balanced. So when you start working and training athletes, you got to first have an indication of where they fall from the five pillars and what needs to be fixed. And usually, like, it's everything. Right? Yeah. No one knows how to breathe, no one eats right, everyone's sleep patterns are messed up, yeah. and the movement quality's poor. Genetics, you can kinda, I mean. It is what it is. It is what it is, it is, right? What it is right? Like, yeah. Um, and then from there, you switch into the kind of the quadrants to have an understanding where the athlete lies within inside these quadrants, and what deficiencies or imbalances they have. And then you fix that. Then, once you get them to understand the pillars, and they do those well, and continuously each day, you rebalance their body in the quadrant perspective, you can then focus more on the specificities of the sport to get them where they need to be. That's kind of like a roundabout. No, and that, that's perfect. So this is great for us and for you, for our listeners at home. Mm. So what's probably some of the things, how can someone find out do they need to go to a CrossFit? Do they need to go to their gym? Do yeah, they go to an OT to like to figure out? Because the majority of the people, let's say, are weekend warriors, right? I mean, they're working nine to five jobs. Um, they're either running, CrossFitting, uh, triathlons, uh, biking, um, or doing other various sports to stay active. And if they want to find out uh, more about muscle systems, what's probably the best advice that you would give them? To go see a specialist? Understand what their goals are. If you're a weekend warrior, you just want to wake up and do runs, who cares? Have fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> have fun. Like, don't stress yourself out. Get your runs in. Um, I think that comes from, like, a, a muscle system, energy system standpoint. I think everybody should have a good understanding of breathing, nutrition, sleep, and movement. Because no matter what you're trying to do, whether you're a weekend warrior or whether you're someone who wants to be more competitive or improve your stuff, you have to start there. And if you neglect that stuff, then it's like you're building a house without the foundation. At some point, like, there's going to be a top off. 
where you can improve that. Lots of that stuff can honestly be done from just um, reading the right stuff. You know, like you learn want to learn how to breathe better. Wim Hof or Brian McKenzie's Art of Breath is really two of the best places I know to start. Two differing opinions, but the same mission and goal. Uh, nutrition, get, get with the nutritionist. Track your macros, understand what you should be eating. No one plan fits everybody. So make sure you're eating right for you. Some people do good with intermittent fasting, but if they're stressed out, then they shouldn't intermittent fast because it's going to jack up the cortisol more, which is already jacked up. Other people do well on a low-carb, more of a keto diet, but then you're going to lose weight, and you're probably going to be very weak if you stick with that, right? Other people do good on paleo. Just make sure you eat enough carbs. Other people do good at eating more of kind of like a, a blend of vegetables and like a more balanced meal plan. Some people do good with higher fats with carbs and vice versa, et cetera. So I think the biggest thing with nutrition is don't guess. Talk to someone in your area who's a good nutritionist, someone who knows what you're trying to do, whether it's running, CrossFit, basketball, baseball, just live a healthier life, lose weight, et cetera, and knows how to prepare for that. So talk to them, interview them. You know, it's like whenever you go to work with a strength coach or a nutritionist, like you should be interviewing them to get a feel, good feel for them. It's not their job to interview you at first, in my opinion. Sleep, um, track your sleep. I mean, you can do that on your phone. If you have an yeah. iWatch, you're going to watch. If you're not sleeping well, get a sleep study done, you know, and just kind of learn how to sleep better. The biggest thing is, is shutting stuff off. So my initial remarks for sleeping better is to eat right. You eat right, you sleep better. Take a cold shower at night. That's going to help you kind of downregulate. Breathe, meditate. That's also going to help you downregulate regulate and get the parasympathetic state. Two hours before bed, don't watch TV. Put your phone away. Don't even put your phone in your room, right? Like, don't be on the computer. Don't do work. Chances are it can be done tomorrow and everything's going to be okay. Like, the world's not going to end. You're not going to lose your job. This is like, like, it's so funny to hear you say that because, like, yeah, we, Vin and I talk about this all the time. And, and but it, you know, I think with everything you've said, Jay, like these are like pillars for not just CrossFit. Like this is just life. Like everything. This is life. life. Everything right? starts. That's why they're pillars. Yeah. And it's like, then so you do that. I'd say read. Read a book. One of my friends reads to his wife. That's how they connect. They read poems together. Angelo, right? Yeah. And uh, read. Uh, journal. If you're someone who race brain races at night, keep a journal by bed. Is every time a thought comes in, write it down so you don't think about it all night. And you know, like, okay, I'm writing it down. I'll get to it tomorrow. Movement quality, um, work with a coach that knows what they're doing and knows how to assess movement and can fix movement. You know, interview people for that. And, and that's really how you start. Everyone should start everything. Unfortunately, we don't because we're Americans and we want everything yesterday, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and then we pay the price later. Yeah. Um, and then from there with the other stuff, then if you want to kind of get more detail with your training, yeah, talk to different coaches who uh, research them see if they're reputable, see if they kind of know what they're doing, but also keep in mind that just because people have a ton of certifications doesn't make them reputable, and, you know, and one of my coaches who used to work here who doesn't now, like, never had a certification and was one of the smartest coaches I ever talked to in my life, Colin, you know, so feel out the energy, make sure your energy connects well with them, and then from there, tell them what your plans are and see what they say, 
Well, it's fascinating. I just wrote down, you interview your specialist. Like, interview, yeah. you know, and I think that's important. I think people, like you said on the surface, I mean, there's a lot of smart people out there. And uh, I always say something like C's get degrees, right? So, so just because someone has a degree yeah. or a designation doesn't mean that they are the end-all be-all or the perfect specialist or the right fit, right. let's say, for you, for your lifestyle or for your personality even because there's multiple personalities out there. And some people, um, I've had coaches that, you know, we're very low key and some coaches that were on my butt, like pushing, right. you know, trying to push it. And there's two ways, you know, there's no right or wrong. Right. It's just a matter of what fits and what works for yeah. that individual. For sure. Um, then I know you wanted to talk a little bit about shifting gears here mm -hmm. about CrossFit and the changes this year and some of the things uh, that uh, that are going on in CrossFit. I know because I started at CrossFit when, when you first started at the underground and I... You know, I worked with you for a while. I interned under you, learned everything I did from you. But the, the one thing I've noticed from you and, and the business and the gym community is that that evolution that you've gone through. And you sort of touched on it before. Um, but I think that's, you know, if you can just touch on some of those things, like th that process, um, you're always reading. I mean, everything you post on Instagram, it's a book. You're always expanding that knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just expanding on that and like where is that going in the future? Um, whether it's for this gym or whether for whether it's for CrossFit Milford or the games or just in general, you know, the general population life, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, what's that evolution? What's it been like going through that evolution and where do you think that's going? I, going through it, um, I guess you don't realize you're going through it until you go through it and then you look back like, oh, I just did that, you know? I think I have a fear of not being the best, which is good and bad. And that's just like basketball. So... With being a business owner, being a coach, like I want to be the best mentor. I want to be the best business owner. I want to be the best coach. I want to have the best facility. So I kind of just devote myself to that. And I can go down a rabbit hole with this stuff very easily. So my wife creates a great counterbalance where she's like, you know, you got to relax. Like I, think it was, I was telling people this story the other day and it was so funny because she's so to the point and she's so right that it's crazy. So I'm reading... Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that it's insane. So I'm reading this book. <laughs> I, I, I was reading this like meaning book, this like say self-help book. And uh, it's about like leadership and being a good mentor and how to lead with different personality traits. And she comes down in the morning. Usually at my morning time is my alone time. I journal and I meditate and do that stuff. And she's trying to talk to me. I'm kind of like, I'm not giving my full attention. So she stops. She goes, oh, Look at you and how to be a better leader and, and mentor, yet you can't even give your wife your full attention who should mean the most to you. And I'm like, well, you're right right there. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you just nailed the head. I'm like, wow. Um, but I think what I'm trying to get at is everything is an ongoing process. Everything is a constant development, a constant learning tool, if you look at it the right way. Everything is an opportunity to find out something new about yourself, something more about yourself, and to challenge yourself. And... One thing I've always tried to do is when I start getting comfortable, I try to do something that's made me uncomfortable to try to grow even more and learn even more. What does that mean for the future and where we're going to go? I don't know. Like I have my five, my 10-year plan. Like I have my five-year plans. I have my three-year plans. I have all these ideas and goals of where I want things to be. And then it's just like, but I also understand that I got to do what I can to get there, but still recognize what's unfolding in front of my eyes on a daily basis. And that might take me another direction. You know, depending on what happens, how I respond or how I feel. So I know I kind of like went the roundabout answer to your question, yeah. but um, I think like going through things, I don't really realize I'm going through them until I kind of stop and kind of look outside of myself and see what's going on. 
because I'm always still focused on just what I'm doing and preparing and trying to prepare myself for whatever might come in the future and just not being comfortable. Right. Like always, which is good and bad. Right. At some point, you got to be a big guy. Like, everything's okay. Like, I can relax, you know. But mm-hmm. So now I try to make sure I put in that time where I can relax and enjoy it, but I'm still working my, my butt off when it's time to work my butt off. And I think that can go into, too, managing a lot of different personalities, mm-hmm. now more so on the CrossFit, you know, competing side of things. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, I've, I've seen it, whether it's here or other places, they're training all day, every day. Um, you know, how do you, how do you get across to those different individuals, um, more of like a quality of life type thing? You know, yeah. there has to be that slight balance, I would assume. Um, so you don't get that, those stressors that you were talking about and getting burnt out while training, you know, to have your mindset right or to be at that level, whether it's tapering or, you know, taking a day off or whatever to be set for that next level. You know, we're through the open right now. It just started today. Um, you know, getting ready for regionals, getting ready for games. You know, what is that? And I'm sure everybody's different, um, which comes into play. But how does that balance and how do you how do you teach that balance or coach that balance to the variety of people that you're working with? Yeah. So um, I think one thing that helped me is I was always a, a believer when you're a coach or a mentor or a leader you should try to adapt and adjust to their personality traits. They shouldn't necessarily always try and adapt to yours. If they would, then they wouldn't be working for you. They'd be trying to work their own place. So um, from a business owner standpoint, one thing I always try to do is figure out where my employees' geniuses lie, like what they are really good at, what gets them excited. And then I try to challenge them and put them in roles that will blossom that more as opposed to me asking them to do things that they're not excited about because then it won't get done. And at the same same point, understanding from a personality standpoint of how they think mentally. Are they more big picture or are they more detailed? So if someone's more detailed oriented, I can't ask them to come up with an idea because they won't. I gotta give them the idea, then that allow them to work on it. You know? So those things. From a coaching standpoint, it's understanding different personality traits, understanding which people are like the soldiers, you know, which people are the politicians, which people are the fighters, which athletes are just the talkers, and which athlete, you know, which athletes are more type A, which ones are more type B, and understanding their personality types. Because once you can understand their personality types better, then it allows you a better way to coach, manage, and provide feedback to them in a way that they're going to be receptive to it. And I think that just comes down to creating more buy-in with your athletes. And once you can create the buy-in and know how to kind of manage and talk to people, then you can continually make it like an ongoing developmental process. All right, so I got a couple questions okay. and we're almost done. Where do you think CrossFit goes in the next five and 10 years? The Olympics. Really? That was pretty quick. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I mean, man, like the X Games is there. Like CrossFit is probably one of the biggest sports in the world do right now. Do you think though, like every, like, so yeah, okay, so I can see the Olympics, but so cross, so X Games, so there's not every sport is in the Olympics, naturally snow, snowboarding yeah. and stuff. So which movement potentially could you see? Well, I think Olympics? that's why I wouldn't go in there because I think for it to be in the Olympics, it has to be like a triathlon yeah it has to be structured you have to know what the events are yeah. you know it can be like oh well <laughs> that it almost may, means means in like crossfit is almost like its own section of the olympics yeah. it's like a subsection versus i don't know uh, where does crossfit go i think it just continually keeps growing and growing and growing like i don't see it slowing down i've seen you know everything has a bubble and it will 
Do you think it's saturated here in North – well, in the United States? Yeah, of course it's saturated. I'm watching last night. I watched the Opens. I'm sure you watch the Opens, right? And it was just fascinating to me to see the growth in Europe. It's first crazy of all. in Europe. And, but then Latin America, which you kind of assume – I mean like you know, you it, figure – In Brazil, like, is huge. I did a Brazil. seminar in Brazil yeah, last were, year and it was there. like it's just taking off. It's insane. But the numbers are um, like yeah. mind-blowing, right? Yeah. It's just going to keep growing and keep growing bigger, bigger and bigger, bigger. And it's like I look at it like I think CrossFit has completely catapulted the fitness world. You know, it's like you have some of these purists and like weightlifting or powerlifting that like hate on CrossFit. But you wouldn't be known if it wasn't for CrossFit, CrossFit like yeah. outside of your community. Like yeah. CrossFit is just brung, brung – yeah, some things people might not agree with or movements. Okay, that's fine. But – what is the main premise and heart of CrossFit? And that's just living a better life. It's improved fitness, it's improved health, it's improved longevity. Some people go about that incorrectly, but that's in any profession in the world, right? So where is CrossFit going to go in like five years? I think it's going to continue to grow. I think it is a little saturated in the U.S. I think the sport itself will grow to an exceptionally high number and level like more tv exposure is this going to keep it's going to be completely it's going to keep becoming more professional i think you're going to attempt to see some more subcultures of the sport try to break off or like fitness leagues um just a way to kind of get more there were some like the the yeah, grid the grid was done you were involved in it was bit, right? yeah it had potential to do really well it was just managed wrong it, it, it fizzled out yeah right? it's like, managed terribly okay. um but you're gonna see more come up i think from a so from a normal gym perspective, you'll probably see a little bit of a bubble happening yeah. with gyms, but I think some of the gyms that are more structured and sustained will kind of level off and you'll probably see an adaption of the idea of CrossFit where people have like their own flow of it, which is what they already yeah. do. And I think that will, that will reach a sustaining point. Um, well, there's but, already so many gyms just in this area even that do CrossFit that have one, yeah. even Fitness Edge. And I've been to Lifetime where I've gone to Lifetime in Minnesota and they've got racks. And yeah, they got, they got like they the got GHDs, rigs, yeah. they got the they assault all, bikes, they, they got everything. Thing, yeah. And they do the classes, they just don't call them CrossFit, right? right? Yeah. So, I, th I think what has to happen though is it has to become legitimized and it has to become professional. Because I see like more teenagers doing it and it's like some of these kids have missed out on college because they're focusing on CrossFit. Awesome. But it's like you ha there has to be a way and that's where, like, I think the subculture leagues need to come into play because there has to be a way to for people who want to be competitive in CrossFit and want to make a living at it. There has to be a chance for them to make a living out of it. Yeah. You know. Do you think, though, Jay, um, and staying on this, so you've been a purist from the early beginnings of CrossFit and seen this massive growth, right, over the last ten years. Just like what we saw, like the bubble in baseball mm -hmm. with the McGuire and Sosa and, and you know, the performance enhancing. And when there's – I, I think anytime there's money on the line and you have the opportunity, everyone's looking for that edge. And we, you and I have talked about this a little bit off the record about the edge and how certain athletes and I've talked to other coaches and, and people in it. Do you think, though, with that increase in exposure and the potential for some of these athletes – to, to make this a full-time job, do you think then the presence of performance enhancing, whether it's, you know, on the recovery or strength increases with the sport or how, you know, how, how, how does CrossFit avoid that happening? I don't think it can. It I can, think, it, right? yeah. And I don't think that's any, I think one the bad thing is like, I think people are looking at CrossFit and be like, oh, like so-and-so's gotta be on drugs and so-and-so's gotta be doing this. They, it's, that's sport. Every sport uses Every sport. performance enhancements. Tennis, golfers do it. Golfers Tiger do. Woods, tennis sorry. players do. Like, 
um, baseball players do, football players do, everybody does something to help with recovery and training. And it's like, so do CrossFitters do it? Some might. I'm sure some do. And I don't think it's like people are looking at it like this, trying to like, I think just kind of throw blame on CrossFit and put a bad name on it. But it's done in every, every single sport. sport. And it's like, I look at it like this. If I take steroids and I play baseball, I'm not becoming Barry Bonds, right? <laughs> like if I take steroids and I do CrossFit, I'm not beating Matt Frazier, Rich yeah. Roning in a workout. Like it comes down to genetics and your makeup and your constant hard work and diligence to being specific on your training. The performance enhancements, the performance enhancements, if it is taken, is just one small piece of the pie yeah. to help with recovery, so you can keep training and not get beat up. Is it part of the sport? I think so. Um, is it a, a completely bad thing? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's in every sport in some nature, you know. So you just have to deal with which which path you're going to take. You want to not do it, or do you want to do it? You know, it's like you have to live with your decision. Yeah. Some decisions are good, some are bad, but years to make and I have my beliefs and none of my athletes take him and I don't and I don't advise any of my athletes to take him but I'm not to look at a coach that advises it and like you know point the finger at them but like, well that's their decision and I just think it's part of sport so and just because you take steroids and I've seen this in other sports doesn't mean that you then automatically become the best at yeah. the sport you still have to put the work yeah, in you still <laughs> put the work in you still got to train your tail yeah. off and yeah. then, even then you still might not even and ever make it you still it. get injuries yeah. just because you take performance enhancing doesn't mean you, you probably get more get yeah. yeah exactly because you're just going to push harder exactly but. Well, thanks for that. And, and so my last question, mm. and then uh, we want to ask you where our audience can find you. Uh, so second to last question is, and this is a tough one. This is going to throw you for a loop. What is the greatest thing you've learned that has cost you the least? In life, business, CrossFit, basketball? Couldn't prep me for that question. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole idea. The this greatest a, lesson I learned. The greatest thing you have learned that cost you the least. Cost me the least. Learn to reflect objectively. So I think like um, being able to look at yourself and see what you're doing from an objective point of view to give yourself a real score if what you're doing is lined up with what you truly value and what truly means and what truly matters in life. And I think that cost me the least because there's been plenty of times when I've been able to look back like what matters to me the most. And I think if I look at it, it'd be God, it'd be my family. And then from there, going to the other stuff. And there's plenty of times when I might go about my day or my life where I might be not giving the focus to my wife or my kids and putting too much time inside work or inside talking to athletes. It's like, okay, like if, when this is all said and done, what matters to me the most? And I'm going to look back and be like, oh, well, I've worked a lot, you know, and I was the best, but I lost my family and I lost my faith for it. Well, what does it matter then, right? So I haven't lost that yet. So I think learning how to reflect objectively on what truly matters to me and make adjustments is the biggest lesson I've learned because being able to do that and learning how to do that, I haven't lost anything. All right, man. So last question for our audience out there, where can we find Jay Leiden? Where can we find CrossFit Milford, social mm. media, web? Cool. So Instagram is Jason Leiden. Um, I put a lot of information up on there. The CrossFit Milford Instagram is CrossFit Milford. We have some athlete highlights on CFM Athletics. The webpage is crossfitmilford.com. If you guys want to email me, you can always email me at jason at crossfitmilford.com. So it was awesome. Thanks, Jay. I really appreciate awesome. it. This is great. It's a good time. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for your openness. Awesome. And honesty, man. Thanks, bro. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Yeah.